and welcome to the Enduro World Series podcast. And as you can see behind us this week, we've travelled to a rather brilliant place. Riri and I are in the comfort of Tempest Bruco, just up the road from Interleaven. And I think this is the first podcast we're going to do where we can actually, admittedly, an alcohol-free beer, but we can have a beer. Yeah, we've done well to get to 25 episodes without resulting to alcohol. But, it's remarkable, uh, really, yeah, isn't it? Well, alcohol-free uh, sort of pale ale. Um, so yeah, it's nice. Yeah, go for sample. it. It's quite nice and warm outside, so I'm sure this will be. Oh, you shake that? I didn't shake it. No, <laughs> believe me, if I'd shaken that, nice. I would have shaken it properly. No, we are here on important business, I should say. The good people at Tempest Brewing Co. are actually coming behind us to help support the Victoria EWS and EWS E Tweed Valley race, and that has extended to crafting us a signature Enduro World Series beer. So, Rory, if you were going to put together an Enduro World Series beer... Slange, what would it What would it taste like? That's a good question. That's very nice. Um, truthfully, I'm not the biggest drink beer drinker in the Enduro World Series team, so I'd probably leave it to somebody leave a little more seasoned, yeah, leave like it to yourself or Chris Ball. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you'd give the, the yeah. full-time tasters here a run for their money, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I've actually, I've, uh, local pub, the Trocure Arms in Innerleithen, uh, has a few Tempest beers on tap, so I've actually been able to sample a few of them um, already, and I was actually at one of the Tempest Brewery tap rooms on Saturday night with a few friends, so they can open part of the brewery and have a few picnic benches, and you come and have a few beers and change it up every week to, to what's... Uh, what's good and, and what's kind of on offer so it's uh yeah really cool spot quiet night down the library about that <laughs> one um yeah i think you've got to go slightly lower alcohol level to allow you to really drink a lot off it if it's going to be an ews signature beer um aid with rehydration of course can be or be course, isotonic of course who knows maybe some salt in there basically and it's not much i can do to help the guys with this um it's not really an individual ingredient is it but i think you need to nail that Almost ice cold first gulp that feels like it's washing hour upon hour of trail dust down your throat and just makes you feel human again after a big day out on the bike on the stages or, God forbid, trying to interview people. Um, You've really thought about this, haven't you? I have, yeah. It's that, it's that first beer on the beach in finale, basically. Yeah. You know that one that like they could give it to you in a bucket and it would just still be one of your best beers of the year? Yeah. Oh. I get that way with food, as in like I get so hungry or get the knock or something and I could just eat like a mouldy loaf of bread and it'd be the best thing I've ever tasted. But I've never felt that way about, about beer, but um, never know. I'm sure you've worked, you've worked for EWS for a few more years than me, so it might, might come to eventually. Might, yeah, you might yet get mouldy bread. Um, I just realised as well, I wrote a good intro for you this week and okay. I didn't read it out. Do you want to hear Go it? Go on, yeah. I mean, I always like these. Uh, right. I need to introduce my co-host, of course, Rory Cunningham, sports coordinator of the Enduro World Series. Joining me, like the seagull that once smashed into the back of my head and then stole my chicken salad baguette in the middle of Dumfries City Centre, Rory Cunningham. Pretty good. Must have been a brave seagull to go anywhere near your head. Though. It was horrible, man. It, it's, yeah, and there was a lot of people confused as to why it was raining salad as well. Listen, <laughs> as much as we'd love to stay and talk about beer and baguette-thieving seagulls, we've got to talk about what's on our very immediate horizon, which is as you as early as this Friday. You're going to be hitting the road, aren't you? Yeah, I thought this podcast was going to be an hour break from the the impending uh, next block of racing. But yeah, we're, uh, well, we're off on Friday um, in the Bobber. 
believe you're off. I'm off on Saturday, Saturday, yeah, on the plane. Um, and we're all the way to the next start, of the next block of racing. So, round five and six in Lugonville. It's um, come round quick, hasn't France. it? It has come round quick, and uh, yeah, um, truthfully, a lot to do before then. Um, even though it is about three days away now, and when this podcast comes out, probably less than twenty four hours. But uh, yeah, I'm actually quite excited. I, I've you know been getting some. Um, information back and forth from Ludovic the local organizer there about the trails and it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a week and the, the location looks stunning so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, yeah it's gonna be absolutely incredible isn't it the next block of racing looks incredibly substantial we've got two races two rounds of the Enduro World Series excuse me in Ludenville <laughs> <I would say. laughs> <laughs> two, two, uh, the next two rounds of the Enduro World Series in Ludenville at the Michelin EWS Ludenville. Um, we haven't been to France unbelievably for a while, actually, not since Olarg twenty nineteen. In fact, which seems crazy given just how dominant the French racers have been since mm-hmm. then. And such is the way with the times that we live in in the age of COVID nineteen, I guess. But yep. um, like. There's nothing bigger than a bike race in France, is there? Like just from the talent, the talent and the depth of talent. Mm. I mean, the amateur level in France so so high. Ludenville is located in the French Pyrenees in the Luron Valley. It looks like being an absolutely stunning part of the world, really. I've heard that these are some big days that they have planned there for rounds five and six of the championship. Yeah, certainly the course maps that I've been sent are, yeah, they're big. I mean, we're talking. Two races in a week, we've got another double header. Uh, we're looking at three and a half thousand metres descending per race. So, you know, that's a total of probably 7,000 metres plus of uh, of descending over the two races. You factor in practice and you're talking probably closer to 10,000 metres. So you're, you're probably talking, yeah, 10,000 metres plus of descending in between Wednesday and Sunday, which is, which is massive. So that's, you know, that's Everest plus... Ben Nevis on the top of it. So you put it like that, that's um, massive, isn't it? Yeah, when you when you think about that and not to mention, you know, the, the stages are out there be they'll be they'll be tough. It's you know, I've been uh, I've been advised to bring some stronger sun cream. I think it can be pretty hot in the Pyrenees that time of year, but Oh you're joking. Um yeah, unfortunately for us we've both got a, a little bit of the ginger jeans, so you we're can, gonna you be printing newspaper but, um, on the uh, um, yeah, looking forward to it and uh, but I'll on the positive, there's a big lake at the bottom, so when when we overheat, not if we can jump in that. <laughs> you could just see all the steam coming off the two of us going. <laughs> Remember uh, swimming in the sea in finale last year? The two of us said that we could actually like it was too warm. <laughs> yeah, you could actually feel your head like your hard drive cooling down yeah. from just being that heavily worked. But um, yeah, I'm really really excited about it. I love going to France, and it's just one of those countries that. Everyone there takes so much pride in the local area, you know, the local culture, the local food. Um, I mean, as someone from the island of Ireland that has lived nearly half of my life outside of Ireland, I'm all too aware of how you have to be careful with national stereotypes. But when it comes to enduro racing, uh, enduro race courses in France, you immediately think technical, mm. don't you? That's, that's what springs to mind. Yeah, there is something, like you mentioned before, there is something special about a bike race in France. It's almost bike racer or mountain bike racing in France is almost like a religion um, the, there's so many strong French riders from again like you mentioned amateur to professional level but there's something about 
a race in France that just it just goes up a level. It's it's you know the French presence is massive at every race we go to just with the sheer volume of riders. But when you actually have the event in France, you know all the riders seem to to step up a level. The the crowds come out. Um, the courses like you say are always technical. They're always uh, they're always big and yeah. I'm sure this one's going to be no different. I honestly um one of the things you get asked by people you ride with and stuff or in the pub or whatever is where's the most technically challenging place you've been with the Enduro World Series and I always come back to Olarg. Olarg mm. was just like big, rocky, savagery. I think you need to ride it to understand just how tech that place really was. Yeah, there was a few stages in Olarg that were, yeah, I mean up there with, up there if, if not the most technical stages I've ever raced. Um, not to mention, you know, the, the volume of the race, the size of the stages, the size of the days. Um, and then the weather came in just to make it that, that little bit more uh, little bit more challenging. But yeah, the French know how to put on a bike race. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see the, the second half of the season kick off at such a, what looks to be such an amazing venue. So yeah, I'm excited. It's amazing, isn't it? I think there are two main components as to why France is so dominant when it comes to international mountain bike racing. The first is just how brilliantly in love with the sport. Like all of in all of its derivatives, mountain biking, road mm. cycling, cyclocross, it extends to the organisation and then right down to club level. I mean, we see, for example, um, Cedric and Cecilia Ravenel bringing young riders in yep. from their local club up to EWS level. Yep. There's real structure and a promotion of racing in France at all levels. Secondly, the technical level of riding that is deemed as average there is just through the roof, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... I think the the French structure and their kind of grassroots and pathway system just seems to be, I mean, it's visible when you look at the depth of talent and, you know, not just enduro, but downhill, cross country, you know, pretty much every form of cycling, the, the depth of talent that comes out of France is huge. You know, they do a really good job of um, creating racing for uh, grassroots level and, and nurturing kids from a very, very young age right through to, to your current professionals. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, the, the sport of France is, it's like a religion. I mean, it's very different to anywhere else. And uh, yeah, not to mention the fans that are gonna show up. It's, uh, you always get some characters and uh, You always get a, a guy dressed like a, crowd. You always get a guy <laughs> dressed like a chicken, don't you? That's yep. like, and a track pump hard air horn. If I don't see one to lose, I'm yep. not in France. Um, yep. Chainsaws and all sorts. Gonna put you on the spot now and Go say, on. out of the current crop of French pros currently dominating pro women and pro men. Mm-hmm. In terms of technical ability, which is what we've just been talking about, who's top of the tree for you in each category? The, in the men's, the one that jumps out for me is Adrian Daly. Mm. I think his technical ability on a bike is right up there with Sam Hill. I think he's learned a lot from, you know, he's, it's, no, um, it's no secret how closely he's been working with Nico for a long time and you watch him ride and it's he makes it look very easy, but if you understand what what he's doing and watch what he's doing, it's it's quite quite mind blowing. In the women's, that's a really tough one to be honest. I think, I think the you know Morgan, Melanie, and uh, Isabel, they're all very very technically gifted, but they all have it. They all do it slightly differently, if you know what I mean. I think yeah. Um, I think Isabel, she's like the proven champion. She's kind of all round. Morgan, come from downhill. Her, I, I always felt her kind of, when it got really deep and technical, that was where she excelled. So um, she's really good there. And then and Melanie Pusen just seems to be 
it's just it's in the last kind of year to 18 months just seems to have come out swinging and and is right up there as well so um it's it's difficult to choose between it's those so three difficult. and to be honest with you the the french champs national champs that happened at the weekend didn't you didn't really help you much in your your quest no. to find that one out because isabel corderier taking the win taking that french national champs jersey mm. but close behind her Melanie Pujan and Morgan Shaw. And, and I guess they, they've all had one of the, the best role models in the sport, Luan Carroll. I mean, when we talk about uh, technically gifted female mountain bikers, I don't think there's one. I'd, I'd say if, if you look at mountain bike in, ge- in general, gravity mountain bike, and I don't think we've seen anything quite like her ever. I think she's kind of a complete one-off, as in yeah. downhill, enduro, BMX, Olympics. I mean, just, yeah. I remember watching videos of her 20 years ago when I was just getting into the sport and being like, you know, doing X-ups on a Cannondale lefty. She's incredible and, to watch now. You watch those old videos back. Yeah, she's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, she's, uh, yeah, her, her kind of, the majority of her racing days are, are, are now behind her. But I mean, as, as far as talented French riders, we could go and we could be do the rest of the podcast just listing them. But I mean, she's pretty special, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, the big, I think the big news story from that French champs, uh, Obviously, Isabeau taking the win, the pro women's, but Alex Rudeau taking the men's title ahead of Big Kev Mikel. Mm-hmm. Um, just great to see for Alex. Um, he's, it feels like he's really coming of age this season. Yeah, part of the uh, the Common Sal team. Um, who I mean, they're not uh, <laughs> they're not shy at um, bringing youngsters onto the world no, stage. No, they're good at winning. Put it another way, they're good at winning stuff. Um, yeah, testament to their program. But I he, secretly he's been flying under the radar for for the beginning of this year like I I remember seeing him on track and truthfully like I mean I think if we'd spoken about Alex Rodeau a year ago we'd be both be saying who mm-hmm. um, he's really came out swinging looked great at the first few rounds um, believe maybe had a couple of top tens or was, was certainly floating yep. around there um, and yeah I mean French champion I mean you when you talk about the depth of talent he's beaten some big names and yeah, it's only going to give him confidence going into the next block. It shows you how... He's making me a bit <laughs> gassy. So yeah, pardon me, beer uh, was, viewers, listeners. Beer, beer was a bad choice. <laughs> um, it shows you how fickle racing is, doesn't it? I mean, Alex Rudeau at the last round of the EWS in the Twil, he absolutely mullered himself and his bike uh, in an old, I, I want to say an old-fashioned style, in a proper, like, mm. the sort of crash that you don't thankfully see that often anymore. He detonated his front wheel in a hole. Basically, he was on the outside of a rut and the wheel went in. Wheel blew up. He was sent shooting out the front of the bike like a javelin. Mm. Massive crash. He got to the bottom. You could almost see the canaries flying around his head. Absolutely wrecked. Um, and he took took 10 minutes, had a concussion check, was okay. Uh, Cecile Ravenel's team manager, came over and let us know that... Um, they're going to put new wheels on the bike, take the five-minute penalty for that and put him back in the race. Mm. He got back to the pits, did just that, finished the race, and now, a couple of weeks later, champion of France. It just shows you, and it just shows you the the guts and the determination, I think, that you really need to do well in this sport. Yeah, and it shows you also how quickly it can go wrong and, and how, you know, obviously great for Alex, and I'm sure he's going to be, you know, fired up for the rest of the season, but it shows you how, you know, how hard riders are having to push to, to crack into that top 10 and, and also kind of highlights how amazing it is that, you know, the likes of, you know, 
Richie and, and Jack are able to do that consistently stage after stage and you know touch wood they've not had one of these problems yet so no um, great ride by Alex and uh, yeah look forward to congratulating him in a, in a week's time yeah uh, both those riders of course on French teams to the new national champs there's a boat on Lapierre Zip Collective Alex as we said on Common Salon Juro team I am predicting a big big fight come Michelin EWS <laughs> Ludenville I cannot wait don't forget all the action will be on our home on the Global Mountain Bike Network GMBM um, so after rounds five and six in France we hop on the van and head to the second of two brand new venues then in a row for the specialised EWS and EWS E Cran Montana before we get into what a big week that will be getting the e-bikes back out on course again. Let's talk about Cran Montana as a venue. Firstly, and perhaps most obviously, is the Valley region of Switzerland, which is kind of akin to saying it's Italy's most beautiful supercar, isn't it? Like, you're talking about <laughs> the most beautiful place of the yeah, most beautiful yeah, yeah. place. Um, absolutely stunning part of the world. Um, you taking your clubs with you? They seem to be quite big on golf there. Yeah, it's got the, the home of the, the Swiss Masters. Cran Montana has the the golf course that hosts the Swiss Masters, but I mean, if they if they even if they see me swinging it in the practice range, they're gonna let me nowhere near it. So apparently, there's three courses. So one of them's, I think, pretty high end, which you know I'm pretty yeah, sure we'll get about. nowhere near it. Um, but there's a couple more, so we'll maybe see if we can get on that. And nice. If we've got time, if we're not wrecked from the big e-bike days, because I think they've got something. We started crazy playing fun. a lot of crazy golf on production last time in the toil and the competition level was fairly high i'm not i'm not saying the home of the swiss masters will have a crazy golf course but it better it better, it better yeah. um golf aside then cran montana uh, check out their official instagram page it is just basically banger after banger of spectacular mountain scenery mm-hmm. um i have this weird thing that happens to me though in switzerland where i can't get any sense of scale attached to anything anymore like every backdrop is so stunning that you kind of just think you're walking through a green scheme you know it's just yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. It's like a film backdrop for everything. Um, what sort of let's talk bike racing. What sort of course are we expecting there? Because Zermatt, um, our previous Swiss round, it was a weirdly specific style of riding, wasn't it? It was quite fast in a reasonably straight line over lots of big sharp rocks that just for all the world one looked like they wanted to eat your wheel all blown out mm-hmm. um, and then into ridiculously tight turns were basically judging your entry and exit speed critical are we expecting more of that in Cran Montana or are we expecting a bit of a different flavor of things it's going to be different um Cran Montana more I'd say more alpine than than Zermatt Zermatt had a like you said quite a hard rocky surface and quite unforgiving um, a lot of the stages were originally walking paths and you could see design wise they weren't built with kind of flowing 1300 millimeter yeah there was a lot of enduro uh, bikes there was a lot of like 140 degree hairpins so um it's not it's not going to be like that grand montana does have a, a bike park and they've had a few um, downhill races in the past so i think the ixs cup had a, a race there um in the last kind of 10 years so but it's going to be a mix you know some of the um some of the stages are going to be in the bike park some of them are going to venture out of the bike park the e-bike's going to get up into the big mountains be pretty remote in spots which will be exciting but um yeah i think it's going to be a really good mix uh stunning location we've been uh, been working with the z boys on the course so yeah shout out to the z boys yeah. yeah um yeah 
I think it's probably haven't been to Zermatt a couple of times in the last few years, but I I get a whiff of speed off the place. I always think Switzerland is just it's the home of going fast, isn't it? And I think that's sort of it's ingrained in that kind of mountain winter sport culture that they have mm. that speed is king and when they build stuff you better be ready to go fast. <laughs> the big bikes return in Switzerland for the uh, specialised EWSE Cran Montana. Uh, EWSE beginning its second season, still very much in its infancy, of course. But what is really cool that we have, we are having free rounds this season at venues which you really would acknowledge as being e-bike super fans, aren't they? Like, you're talking about um, Cran Montana, Finale Ligari and the Tweed Valley, three areas that e-bikes are really flourishing in at the minute. And there's, you know, a lot of progressive conversation about mm. e-bike trail design, integrating them into the community. Uh, if you want to know more about EWSE and how the format works, we did cover a lot of it on the last episode. So maybe head back and check that one out. Rory, who are we expecting to be up there then on the e-bikes this season? It's a tough one, isn't it? I think there's, there's going to be a few new faces that we haven't seen uh, haven't seen last year. Um, you know, it'd be good to see Josh Carlson back. Uh, obviously, transitioning from from EWS, you know, Alex Foyol, mm-hmm. um, World Cup downhill winner. Um, he's riding for Husqvarna. I That's right. Yeah. Um, so that'll be good. Obviously, we've got you know the the main uh, protagonists last year, Nico Vulios and Yannick Pontal. Um, and then the women's, you know, obviously last year we had uh, Tracy Mosley and, and we did see Melanie Pugin um, win the first one. But it will be also be interesting, the format this year, allowing riders to race both. Mm-hmm. How many racers will, you know, are there going to be riders who've maybe missed around through injury? So someone like Charlie Murray, who, who didn't, wasn't able to race in La Tuile. Um, he's been doing a bit of e-bike racing in his spare time. Will we see him line up in Kranz, Montana? Any other riders? Interesting to see Charlie on an e-bike, wouldn't we it? Might good, see, uh, good friend of the podcast. Might see a high-profile local downhill racer in the Tweed Valley, if you can get home from We there might see time. an extremely high-profile, uh, as-yet-to-be-announced person and as-yet-to-be-announced brand that I can't say too much more about. But I think that's starting to... Um, could be anybody. Could be anybody, yeah. Not I think anything. it's starting to... Uh, it's, gather, it's gathering some good pace. And I'm looking forward to seeing Yannick Pontal and that new Peugeot set-up. The bike looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, Pagey told me he's going to race the last round. Nigel Page is going to race yeah. the last round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's a Scottish resident. Yeah, has he um, got his passport? He's got his passport, yeah. His blue one. His tartan passport. Um, not yet, I don't think. He's still got to pass the Norlethan incomer test. What's that? You just like... Just when you move to Norlethan and you're not from Norlethan, you kind of get like vetted for a year. I yeah. can't believe either that. Come pro- after, either come after you with pitchforks or you kind of like, like leave you alone. I can't believe that, that process only takes a year. I'd say you're, you're feud <laughs> yeah, with maybe, great scepticism. Maybe, maybe a decade. Yeah. Um, can I start a rumour then that you're going to race it? I mean, you've designed the course. You'd be right up there in terms of local knowledge, wouldn't you? Jack this stuff on the head and yeah. swing a leg back over a bike. Could do. I've, uh, yeah, the course is, course is going to be good. I was out do, putting final touches on it the other day and it was interesting. I went out with um, one of our local team who's not really, uh, not really ridden an e-bike in that way before. I mm-hmm. think there's a, a misconception that riding up a fire road and down all the trails you'd normally go down or just riding the same loop you'd ride a normal bike on an e-bike. Is, it's easy, kind of lazy, it? e-bike's easy. As soon as you go, right, we're going up that, they kind of go... No, we're not. And uh, yeah, actually, funnily enough, I uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and and the yeah, it was good to see um, good to see them kind of. You could see the cogs turning and thinking this is something different. So it is a different um, experience. I think yeah. you need to try it. Everyone needs to try it. Um, 
Specialized EWS and EWS ECRAM Montana. Cannot wait to get back to Switzerland. I do have these this thing in my head though where I kind of keep on thinking that Kranz Montana is a rapper, has a new album out. But can't wait to see all the Swissies again, including local organizers, the Z Boys, Nick and the Gang, Addy. Go and check out their latest video on the EWS website if you want to get hyped on that one. The trails look absolutely stunning. Max Chapuy and Co. go in very, very fast over there. Right. I'm making an executive decision here and the, we've been sat in a brewery, Tempest Brewery Co. for a while now. Mm-hmm. Fruit is getting dry, which seems ridiculous. <laughs> Let's save the Vittoria EWSE and EWS Tweed Valley, um, the, the signature beer is going to be for. Maybe come back here, maybe do a bit more closer to the race on that. And for its own podcast, and I'm not just trying to gouge free beer here, but let's talk about the final round in this current coming up back to back to back triple double the bluegrass ewse and ews finale presented by victoria finale legary spliced with a healthy dose of pietro legary i mm. think is the best way to describe it um i'm predicting that we're going to see one off if not the definitive finale outdoor region race course off all time what are you expecting no, i've seen the map so i know what to expect yeah big gonna be big it's gonna be big um both races i think are gonna be big um the uh EWS race is, is set to be a good one it's gonna be um gonna be a big day shall we say we'll leave it at that and yeah the, the EWS is gonna um take in more than just the the finale liguri um area it's uh it's gonna get pretty adventurous gonna see some kind of over the hill liaisons which is which is gonna be really cool and uh, yeah, I mean, finale know how to put on a bike race, don't they? They've been. Um, now, the, ma- they've, they've now been the masters are putting you through the mincer, but you emerge out of the mincer smiling somehow <laughs> still. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they make hard courses, but courses that are very, very enjoyable as well. Yeah, there's something about ending at the beach as well. It's, no matter how traumatic your day's been, mm-hmm. you can kind of roll up to the beachfront, have a beer, have a pizza, a gelato, and sit in the sun and go, ah, it'll be all right. Yeah. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's, great le- it's a great <laughs> leveller nice. as well, isn't it, Finale, I always think. It's not. It's so varied, it's so tough that it sort of flattens out that who does this suit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's, it's not one set of circumstances, it's a bit of everything, and it's always big, which means that you've got to mm. be ready for it. Yeah, this, you've kind of got to be the all-round rider to, to excel there. It's, it's technical, it's physical, it's usually hot, so that adds into it. The days are big, um, stages vary a lot. Like There doesn't seem to be... You know, when you've got the, the rockier, tighter, more technical stages down closer to the actual town and closer to the coast, and then once you get back into the mountains, start becoming faster, the dirt changes, the, you know, there's more flow to them. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you've really got to be an all-around rider. And it's one of these venues I always felt that you had to maybe go to maybe one or two times before you really got to grips with it. And then Charlie Murray went there last year and came like fifth and yeah, proved that, well, that, that, that wrong. That was wrong, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, I mean it's as it's an as iconic a venue as we have and uh, yeah um, there's there's no such thing as a bad bike race in finale. So no, I'm sure they'll, they'll there's really really show. not. I remember Damien Otton winning there as well in 2018. I want to say, mm. and that was just an incredible ride and great to see him get that mm. win there. Um, last time out we saw Richie Rude. Morgan Shard taking wins in Finale Ligary. Estelle Charles got on her debut podium. Pietra itself did an exceptional job last season too. I mean, against all odds, the, the world was really upside down on its head at that mm. time. Um, 
so many people were cautious, so many people were questioning whether racing should be happening at all, despite the fact that we were adhering to as much advice as we could. And the organisers of Pietra just stood up and said, we'll hold one. You know, mm. we, want, we want racing to happen. We want to be a part of this. And we were treated to, honestly, some of the best trails I think I've ever ridden. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, always, it's just always good on the coast, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it is. brilliant. Um, I think the most double-edged swords for us here is that the racing is so close this season that predictions are basically useless. I don't think either of us could sit here with any certainty, and I think we've <laughs> we've uh, we've talked a bit out of who do we think is going to sort of emerge from these two races and claim the title. Mm-hmm. Jesse Melamed, Sam Hill, Martin Mays, Melanie Puja, Morgan Shar, any of those riders, and a whole lot more could leapfrog the current title leaders at the minute. So, mm. what I'm going to ask you instead, then, okay. I thought of another annoyingly difficult question for you. Be glad to know, right? I'm not going to ask you to predict who's going to win what. We need to get a bit further into the the meat of race, and I think for that, what I am going to ask you though is who is going to be the big disruptor, of course, across these next three races coming up. So, the person who lays a claim to that title, who at the minute is maybe top ten or so, who's going to, you know, potentially start taking points off title contenders. That is a tough one. Throwing you a curveball there, haven't I? Um, I think in the men's, the name that stand out is Adrian Daly. I was thinking Adrian because you've got a combination of round in France and Ludenville, and then you've got Finale, mm. where he's done well in the past. Mm. He won Pietra last year, didn't he? Won Pietra last year. It's very similar. It's just the fact it's within a stone's throw, really, of where he lives and the sort mm. of terrain he's used to. So that's two rounds where he could amass points. Mm. And then if he does something, then Grand Montana, obviously, yeah. as well. Not just because we've spoken about them, but I, I kind of see the main disruptor as being a French rider. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the next two races, the, the double in Ludenville being, you know they're going to be fired up for it. I think French championships were there last year. So the you know you know all the French riders have got a, a good idea of of what the terrain's going to be like. So, yeah, someone like Adrian Day, uh, Dimitri Tordo. Dimitri Tordo's a great show. Alex Rudeau, um, Antoine, Antoine Vidal. Um, Dimitri Tordo has been riding basically non-stop with Jack Moyer, mm. as evidenced by Jack's uh, YouTube channel. Basically, since we've been back in the UK, the two of them have just been riding chairlifts and getting faster and faster and faster. Maybe Tordo could mount a bit of a run. Yeah, and you can throw Big Kev in there as well. Um, I certainly think, yeah, I think if you look at the, the kind of the pack of French riders who might feel, you know, it's, it's difficult. You might, you might think Jack and Richie at this point in the season, are they going to, are they going to try and begin to try and play it safe? I mean, we are, you know, we're only kind of four rounds in, but, it's so close that like almost like a bad round is or a throwaway round isn't possible. So they might take their foot off the gas a little bit and might see the opportunity in the door open for some other guys. In the women's field I'm gonna say Hattie Harden. It feels strange to say that the yeah. you know, someone who's already in the top three of the overall as a disruptor, but I kind of feel pre season at the start of the year we were talking about those three big French names. Mm. And I think Hattie she's not shown weakness yet. She's not shown no a set of circumstances that she can't cope with, either mentally, physically, in terms of technical ability. And I just think 
this block of racing is so tightly compacted, it'll really play to somebody with her mm. fitness and strength. Mm-hmm. So I, I think nice. Hattie's in for the championship this year. It's a good shout. And not to, to, for this to sound kind of negative at all, but she's, she's kind of under the radar in a sense as I don't think anybody expected her to win and be in the title fight this year, still being under 21. Like, um, well, we predicted podiums maybe, didn't yeah. it? it shows what we know. Yeah. Virtually nothing. But. Yeah. I, I know quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, fantasy league leader. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... I'd say she's flying under the radar a little bit, even though she's won one, which sounds ridiculous. Other racers, I mean, it'll be, diff- it'll be interesting to see how ALN comes back. Well, and Amnoga, actually. So yeah. the freeze will be quiet for the last year or so, but they both showed the first rounds of the season that the pace is still there, the hunger is mm. still there. ALN, absolute heartbreak in the mm. twiddle. What state's that ankle in, yeah. we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how she comes back. Um, I think Hattie's going to be strong regardless. Um, but yeah, you never know. I mean, that's the thing about enduro racing, right, is it can occasionally just throw you a curveball. And I think... Going to a race, going to a race, it's the unpredictability and not knowing who's going to win that makes it exciting. If we were going to this race saying, "Oh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Richie and it's going to be Isabel, hundred percent," you'd kind of be like, mm. "Yeah." But if you go to the race saying, "You know, there's Richie and Jack and there's everybody else and there's these Frenchies and they're going to be hungry for it," and you know, the women's race is so open. I think you know, three winners, three winners, and four races. You see it uh, in all, you see it in all forms of racing, don't you? I mean, we're experiencing it in F one at the minute as well with you know, a really good season of racing. And I think, both professionally speaking and as a race fan, I think it's really important to recognise those seasons when you're in amongst mm. them and enjoy them. And mm. I think as we head into this block of racing, it's really important to celebrate the fact that we haven't got somebody who's just miles in front yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, we've got really, really close racing. And the women, pro women's race, four racers, mm. basically shaping up for the title. Men's race... A really, really strong top five as well. Yeah, that's a good show as well. I was getting a little bit, um, <laughs> I was getting French flags in my eyes a little bit there, but I mean, we, let's not forget Zach Johansson. Good um, friend of the on, podcast. Good friend of the podcast. You're welcome, Zach. Um, podium in Latuio. Yep. He's done a few races outside of that in the month off. Um, he's done a few kind of regional, national races, and I think he's won every single one. Um, in Latuio, he was closer to Richie in second than, than Richie was to Jack, so, you know. Good, uh, a good race, and he could be he could be right up there as well. I can imagine Jesse Nellemeyer coming back into mm. this as well. I think he'll have gone away, worked on the speed. He's like you know he's he's been up close and personal now with Jack and Richie on the stages, and I think Jesse's someone who he's just got that dogged determination. He's just got that attitude that I think will serve him well and get him right back up to the start of stuff. Um, listen. I think it's important that we thank Tempest Bruco again. Mm-hmm. They've uh, they've opened up their. I mean, if you need any proof as to how cool the place is, they've got a skate ramp in the middle of a. Yeah, we're just in the middle, aren't we? Of a I barrel was, uh, room. I was eyeing up the skateboards, but. Um, purveyors of absolutely superb beer right here at home in the Tweed Valley, and we're hopefully going to be seeing a lot more of them come the end of September, aren't we? Yeah, we'll need it. We'll need it, yeah. Yeah, we'll need something stronger than this as well. Yeah, this is, yeah, it's medicinal, I think, by that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, thank you everyone at Tempest. If you are interested in any of their 
uh, handmade, amazing beers, you can head to uh, their website for all the info on how you can get a hold of some, tempestbrewery.co.uk. And mine says interleaving. Enduro World Series beer mats. Enduro World Series beer mats. Yeah. <laughs> um, little QR code in the back, I wonder what that's for. Anyway, right. Rory, thank you to Tempest. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm now going to pack all this down, give you my bike, and you can put it in the van, and then I'll see you in France. Mon ami. Great. Sounds brilliant. <laughs> right, see you in a bit. Cheers, Thanks, Rory. <laughs>